Good morning. Good morning. I'm looking forward to introducing David. But first, uh, there have been a couple of rumors and aspersions cast my way, and I just want to clear up a couple of things. One, I did not cheat to get to that number 38 up there by bringing my entire family, extended family, my mom, my grandson. It, that, that's not really fair. But today, I think, uh, I haven't counted. Is it we counted yet? Not yet. But I... Let's see, 38, 39, 40. Yeah, I think, I think we beat it today, so that's okay. The second rumor that's going around is that I'm only here because there is food. And I don't think that's fair either. It may be true, but it's not exactly fair. But the, the real reason I'm here is to support, uh, Brother David Barker, his wife Kelly. I'm excited that they are here, uh, today. And I just want to, by way of introduction for him, I've known David for a long time. Uh, he is one of the directors of Polish of the Pulpit, and we have worked together on that uh, ever since it was little bitty, and now it's it's 5,000 people come to it. And it's it's been my pleasure to know him and his family uh, for a long time. Uh, David is a, a great, humble servant of God. He is one of the most Christ-like individuals that I've ever met uh, and I just love him uh, and his family. I hope that you will stick around for the fellowship meal. Uh, certainly load up your plates, but also get to know him. Uh, sit, sit over. If everybody can sit right, right beside him, that would be great. But if, uh, if you could just get to know him and his family just a little bit, uh, I'm sure your, your life will be blessed. Uh, come, come speak to us, Brother David. Again, good, good morning. Good morning. No prayer goes something like, like this. Lord, forgive Luke for saying those nice things about me. <laughs> and forgive me for enjoying them as well. But I think Luke may need more forgiveness than just that. It sounds like um, it's a... Once again, it's a real joy for us to be able to come together like precious faith, rather than like precious faith, and there's nothing quite like it. We talked uh, in our Bible school hour about the baptism of Jesus. I'd like to go from that and just talk about baptism uh, for the remission of sins uh, during our worship time for just a little while this morning. I'm going to be hanging out the latter part of 1 Peter 3, if you want to have your scriptures open there, 1 Peter uh, three, just several simple facts about baptism, which is good for us uh, to think about. There's several good reasons to discuss baptism. First, it's definitely a Bible topic. Definitely, 113 times in the New Testament, the word "baptize" is used in different forms. 113 times in the New Testament, we definitely did not create this this act. We did not create this command of God. Another good reason is because. Uh, it's so perverted that in, in the religious world, people get it wrong about baptism. And it's so clearly taught, and we need to be teaching upon it because uh, people get it wrong. But there also, uh, we need to be teaching them about it because there are some that need to obey God in this command. Some have been putting it off. Maybe, maybe perhaps in the past some have been baptized, but not baptized uh, in, in the way that Jesus would say, uh, to be baptized. 
And of course, we need to study this because uh, we want to teach it properly. We don't, you know, Jesus in the Great Commission t- tells us uh, in, in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, "Go you therefore and and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit." So we want to teach it uh, properly. We expect other people to get it right. We we expect our doctors, we expect the druggist, the pharmacist. Uh, to get it right, we expect um, you know the the teller at the bank uh, to get it right. We we expect those who taking care of our our power bill uh, to get it right. The the repairman that comes to our house uh, uh, just recently, um, well, the ceiling of our bedroom. We lived in this house we're living in over twenty years, and the ceiling of our bedroom has taken a beating because. We have one of those partial air conditioner units where part of the air conditioner unit is up in the loft and there's a pan up there and the water spills over in that pan and all the AC guy says, oh, it'll never leak. And guess what? It leaks. And so we've had to get, we had to have a repairman out just the other day and, and when you, when you listen to him, you're listening to see, okay, does he know what he's doing? Is he going to get this right because we're about to, to spend some money here and he's about to spend some time in our house and is he, is he going to be able to get this right? And we expect this from other people and so when it comes to scriptures and, and, and the soul, the soul is worth more than all the world. God would expect us to get, get this right. Let's notice several simple facts about baptism. First of all, baptism is an immersion. Brother David brought this out in class very well just a little while ago. It's an immersion, clearly defined. The, the word baptized means to dip, to plunge, to, to submerge, to immerse. That's what, it, that's what it means. It's often used in the New Testament in, in, um, in these ways. Like uh, Luke 16, 24, you remember the scene uh, of death. You remember that uh, both Lazarus and the rich man die and, and the rich man is in torments and Lazarus is in Abraham's bosom. And the rich man is able to say to uh, Abraham, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and please send Lazarus that he may go, now listen to this, that he may go and dip the end of his finger in water and come and cool my tongue because I'm in anguish in this fire. Now, this is a great side study here to just the torment of, of punishment, but notice what he says there. Send Lazarus to go and dip the tip of his finger in water. The word dip there is our word baptize. That's the very same word as baptize as it's used in other passages, but it means to dip, means to dip. Another example, John 13, verse 26, when, when Jesus said, one of you are going to betray me, and the disciples begin to say, well, who is it, Lord? Who is it? And what did Jesus say? The one to whom I give this morsel of bread, after I have dipped it, after I have dipped it, that's the one that's going to betray me. Of course, he took the bread, he dipped it, and he gave it to Judas. But that's our word again there, baptized, to dip, to plunge, to, to submerge. And Colossians 2, verse 12, uses the idea of burial. So because baptism is described as a burial, we know it also means to immerse. Colossians 2, 12 Paul says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which also uh, we were raised 
uh, with him through faith and the powerful working of God, it's described as a burial. It's definitely an immersion, immersion, because of its definition, because it's often described as a burial. But also it's just common sense, isn't it? It's common sense. Look in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, 4, and 5, and we've got John, all Judea, all Jerusalem. They're coming out to John to, to be baptized of him. And so we read there in Mark chapter 1 and verse 5, they were coming to John, and it says there, they were being baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. And notice that. They were being baptized by John in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now, suppose you substituted the word pour there. Instead of dip or plunge or immerse, if you substitute the word pour, pouring water. Okay. So let's just read it like that. So they they were coming to John and were being poured by him in the Jordan River. Well, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, what's John doing? Melting people? You know? That doesn't make any sense. Well, suppose you substitute the word sprinkle. They were coming to John and were being sprinkled by him in the Jordan River. Well, that doesn't make any sense either. That's not what John was. John wasn't sprinkling people. John was immersing people. He was, he was dipping them. He was plunging them. And that's what baptism is. Baptism is an immersion. It's well worth the trouble because that's what, that's what the Lord says. That's what the Lord says. Sometimes it is trouble. Down in Moulton, Alabama, um, before 2020, we were, we were able to go into the ladies' uh, jail there and, and do Bible studies. And, and a few years ago, we were there, and the lady wanted to be baptized. There was, there was nowhere. There was nowhere to plunge anybody. And so the officers helped us create. We got a tarp, a blue tarp, and then they had some, some plastic pipe. And somehow or another, right there in the foyer of the jail, we brought, we strung a hose pipe in from, because it was dead of winter, we, drunk, we strung a hose pipe in from outside into the lobby of the jail. Somehow or another, those, those officers helped us build up the tarp with, with the pipe, and we put water in there, enough water in there, to finally get her plunged beneath the water because she wanted uh, to be baptized. It's well worth well worth the trouble. The um, one fella, I know, I know. If you study with people and you you work with people and talk to people, a lot of times people will just put off, put off, put off, knowing what they need to do. Years ago, we, we had a man and and his wife was faithful. She's still faithful, but he never would come, never would come, never would come, and he got very very sick, and then um, we just thought, you know. He was, on, he was on his way out of here, and uh, he, he sent word, I want to be baptized. Well, by that time, he was on the oxygen tank. He could barely walk. And so his doctor came out to the church building. It took us well, well over two hours to baptize him because it was so difficult to get him up into the baptistry. We had difficulty leaning him back. We had to put a chair in the bottom of the baptistry. There were two of us, me and another preacher. We were on either side of him. We sat him down in the chair. His head was still above the water, and we decided that at a certain time that the other preacher would, would hold him and put his hand over his mouth, and then I would collapse the chair so that he would go down. 
and that was our plan. And then we would just figure out a way to get him back up, and that's how that's how we did it. It's it's well worth the trouble because of what the Lord uh, says to do. So first of all, baptism is an immersion. Secondly, second simple fact is baptism is for salvation. It is for uh, the remission of sins. Notice Peter's words in 1 Peter 3.21, Baptism doth also now save us. It does also now save us. Notice those three powerful words, now saves us. Now saves us. Now. Now. That's kind of a, a time frame, isn't it? Now. Now. You see, Peter, Peter's not saying... Uh, you know, he's not saying this is this is not a discussion about what Jesus did with the thief on the cross. We're talking about now. We're talking about now. This is not a discussion about what God may have done with the Old Testament heroes. Okay, Peter's saying baptism does now save us. See, if you look into Peter there, First Peter three and verse verse eighteen, Peter says, "Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might." Bring us to God. Okay, so there's the cross. There's the cross. Peter's saying, now, 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 on this side of the cross, now baptism doth also uh, now save us. And that's, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. Since, since the death of Jesus on the cross, since Pentecost, it has been that way. And we can look through the entire book of Acts, and each case of conversion has uh, baptism involved in it. Jesus said, go, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized uh, shall be saved. So notice the word now there. Also, of course, notice the word saved. The word saved basically means to be delivered, to be delivered. And there's a great statement about this back in Exodus 14, 13, when, when Moses is right there at the Red Sea and the, the Pharaoh's army is pursuing uh, the Israelites. And Moses said to the people, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord that he is going to work for you this day. And that's exactly what happened. When they went through the Red Sea, that was a deliverance. That was a deliverance from Egyptian bondage. Okay. And so even so today, even so uh, today, you know, sin puts us in bondage. John 8 and verse 34. Whoever... Uh, commit sin becomes a bondservant of sin. Jesus said right there in John 8, you shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. Shall make you free. And so salvation is a deliverance from sin. By the way, you know, just to take a little note here, Romans uh, 6, 3 and 4 says, you know, we're baptized into the death of Jesus and we're raised to walk in newness of life. You keep reading on down to Romans 6, get down to verse 17. Paul says now, God be thanked that whereas you were the service of sin, you were the service of sin, you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered to you, being then made free, there it is, free from sin, you have become the servants of righteousness. Salvation is a deliverance, a deliverance. So notice the word now, now saves us, and notice the word save, and then notice the word us, because baptism puts us among the us. Baptism puts us among the people of God. Right there in Peter's uh, epistle, 1 Peter 2, he says, Now, at one time you were not a people. Now you're the people of God. At one time, right there, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, at one time you had not received mercy. Now you have received mercy. 
See, baptism places us among the people of God. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For by one spirit have you all been baptized into one body. The body, the body of Christ. It puts us among the saved. So notice here how that baptism is for salvation. We can go everywhere throughout Scripture just, just to show that. But notice how Peter describes it. Now saves us. Often, I, I do a lot of referencing to, to baseball because I just grew up playing baseball. Okay. And so in baptism, you've got to be able to hit a home run. Baptism, you're required to touch all four bases in baptism. Okay. And this is just basic. It's just basic. But, but the first base is the element. What element do you use in baptism? Water. Water. Got to have water. Here is water, the unit said. What does hinder me from being being baptized? We're we're not baptized into the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit baptism was for the apostles. You know, we're we're baptized in water. So we've got to have the right element. First base is is um, the right element. Second base is the right action, which is burial. You've got to have the right action. The third base is you've got to have the right person. We just don't go out and grab somebody and baptize them. No they first got to believe. Believe. He who believes and is baptized. They've got to be ready to turn from sin, to repent, to know of sin, and to make a hard commitment to Jesus to turn from sin. You've got to be willing to confess this publicly. Okay, so, we, so you've got to have the right person. A penitent believer is ready uh, to be baptized. And then you've got to have the right purpose. See, that's the fourth base. It gets you home. Right purpose for salvation, for the remission of sins, the right element, the right action, the right person, person and the right purpose. And then you hit a home run with God. You hit a home run uh, with baptism. Okay. So second simple fact is baptism is for salvation. Now, a third simple fact is baptism is a comparison. At least reading Peter there in 1 Peter 3, it's a comparison. He Peter uses King James Version... He uses the light figure, the light figure. Other translations will have a true likeness. Or some translations will say, well, this corresponds to this. I I like the light figure, the light figure. He's comparing our salvation today to Noah's salvation in his day. The figure, the figure and the reality. The figure is this. Salvation in Noah's day is the figure. It's the figure. It's the likeness. Okay. And baptism today at the point, or salvation today at the point of baptism is the, is the reality. Okay. In other words, um, salvation in Noah's day, as, as God brought those uh, people in the ark safely through water, you know, salvation in Noah's day is the pattern and Salvation today through the waters of baptism is the substance. Okay. Um, at home, when we, for weddings and so forth, you know, we have to move the, the table sometimes. Sometimes we have to move uh, the podium. And when you move the table or podium, it leaves an indention in the carpet. Okay. That's kind of the pattern. So later when you move them back, you have no problem as to where to move them to because you've got the indention there 
you've got the pattern. You know where to set it. Okay, you set it right right in its place there because you see the indention in the carpet. It's very much like that. No, in salvation in Noah's day is like the indention in the carpet, and salvation today through the waters of baptism is like the substance that you put that you place over that. Okay, and so baptism is a is a comparison. So it goes like this: as um, as the flood waters transported those in the ark from that old, violent, sinful world into a new, cleansed world, even so today, even so today, the waters of baptism brings us out of the world into uh, Jesus Christ. Okay, see, it's a comparison. It's a comparison. Some of you came up uh, after class this morning and talked about how that Jesus' death burial and resurrection sets a pattern for us. It's so, so, so very true. So very true. Jesus, of course, died for our sins and was literally buried and literally raised from the dead on the third day. But in like manner to that, in like manner to that, we die to sin. That's our repentance. We die to sin. We're buried in the water. And then we're raised to walk in newness of life. It's a wonderful comparison. Comparison. So baptism is an immersion, but it also uh, involves salvation. And then thirdly, it is a comparison. But let's say this also about baptism. Baptism involves sanitation. Because Peter says there, it's not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. It, it involves sanitation. Sanitation. Okay. Peter's simply saying, this this dipping in the water does not have anything to do with with cleaning dirt off of your physical body. Okay. But he is saying that something has been defiled. What is that something? Something has been defiled because you have need of this washing. What is it that has been defiled? Well, it's our soul. It's our it's our conscience, you see. For a reference to that, if you want to notice 2 Corinthians uh, 7, verses 1 and 2, 2 Corinthians uh, 7, verses 1 and 2, Paul says that our ideal is to be cleansed of all defilement from the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. But see, that's what sin does. It defiles the flesh and spirit, our soul. Okay. In Titus 1, 15 and 16, Paul talks about our mind and our conscience being defiled. That's what sin does to us. It defiles our soul. It it defile it it dirties up our mind, our conscience. Okay. And so we're in need of sanitation. Sanitation. We, we're in need of cleansing. Of cleansing. Notice what Peter says in 1 Peter 1 and 22. Seeing then that you have purified your souls in your obedience to the truth. That's the idea. You have purified your souls in your obedience to the truth under unfeigned love of uh, the brethren. That's the idea. It involves sanitation. Have you ever worked in sanitation? If you have a house, you have. Aren't we constantly cleaning up? Have you ever technically worked in sanitation? I have. I have. Some of the most enjoyable years of my life. I'm serious. 
I'm serious. I'm not. I'm not kidding. I, I loved it. I loved it. I, 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 that's all. That's all I did until, you know. I well, when I was at home, still living at home, going to college in little old, uh, Jasper, Alabama. I worked in sanitation at the local Buick, Pontiac, and Cadillac dealership. That's, that's what we did. That's what us boys did. We we cleaned the cars. The new cars came in off the truck. Needed a lot of cleaning. And people would bring back their cars for us to clean. Used cars that would come in, we would put them on the lot. We're going to clean them up. It was good hard work. Just good hard work. Later when our uh, when we began to have children, we lived in, years ago, we lived in Jackson, Tennessee. And I was preaching some on the weekends, going to college some, but also... Uh, very thankful to have a sanitation job over to Jackson Christian School, middle school, elementary, middle school, high school buildings. It's three separate buildings. And that's what we did all day long was clean up after those kids, clean up after the bathrooms, classrooms, lunchrooms, all day long. Okay. Very enjoyable, very enjoyable. Okay. You, I mean, you get to meet a lot of people, and people will express their appreciation to you because they don't want to be doing that. <laughs> God is in the sanitation business. Our soul is messed up. Sin defiles. And he wants us to be in the sanitation work as well. So baptism is involves sanitation. But then... A fifth idea here, and we'll close down here in just a second. Fifth idea is examination. Because Peter says here that this is a this is this process involves an appeal. King James Version says an answer to God for a good conscience. Some translations have interrogation, some have an appeal. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. But the appeal to God for a good conscience. On TV, we've seen people, maybe you've seen it in person, being interrogated. And sometimes they'll put a, you know, just a bright light on them, try to, try to squeeze information out of them, have some very intense questioning, bright light, try to get them to focus, try to get them to come clean, get the information out of them. Once they get the information out of them, the, the perpetrator, okay, the violator will often look to his uh, prosecutor and say, "Well, well, what do I do now? What what can I do? What can I what can I say now? You've got this information out of me." So that's his appeal. What is what can I appeal? What can my answer be uh, now? And so, in this process of coming to God for salvation, the spotlight of God's word comes hard down on us. And the good and honest heart will say, yep, he's got me. The Lord has me. I am, I am dirty. I am unclean. I, I need him desperately. Okay. That creates a bad conscience within us. Lord, what can I do? What can I do? Lord, 1 Peter 3.18, The Lord, I know you have suffered for my sins. The righteous for the unrighteous. What do you want me to do? What must I do? How can I... How can I respond to that? He says, well, part of the process is to be baptized. You can appeal to the Lord. That's 
How do we appeal to God to get to get that good conscience back? How do we appeal to God? Well, he says, in the waters of baptism. Five simple facts this morning. It's an immersion. It's for salvation. It definitely is a comparison to many things. Right there in Noah's day, going back to the Red Sea, other comparisons. Definitely a comparison to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It involves the work of sanitation. And mostly, it is time to give close self-examination to ourselves. Let's not leave that thought for a second. Baptism is meant to be a point of reference for the rest of our lives. It is meant to revolutionize our thoughts and our plans with God. It is to be a complete joyous change. You know, when the when the eunuch was baptized by Philip, he went on his way rejoicing. And from that point on, if you if you met if you met the eunuch later, and he's walking down the road and he's rejoicing, and you say, What has come over you? Why are you so happy? What's he gonna say? He's gonna go back to his baptism. From that point on, do you remember your baptism? Do you remember the day that you were baptized? That's that's part of what pro- baptism is about. It is to it is to create a memory. This is the day. This is the day the Lord forgave me. This is the event. This is the time. I re- I remember who was it that baptized me? Where was I baptized? Do I remember that day? Do do I know for sure that I've been saved from my sins? The devil works very hard to try to make those who are who are innocent feel guilty. And he tries to make the guilty feel innocent. That's the devil's work. He calls that which is evil good and good evil. Okay. Paul says in Romans 6 verse 11, Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Because that's the work of the devil. After we have been baptized and we've gone through the process of of being saved from our sins. Now we're walking the journey to heaven and seeking to be to remain faithful to God. Devil, the devil's going to come along. And he's going to say, "Do you really think you're forgiven of sin? Do, do you really think you're headed to heaven? I mean, come on. You, you really think that that you're all that?" Okay. Paul says, "Reckon yourselves to be dead unto sin." In other words, mark it down. Mark it down. This is our point of reference. Baptism. This is our point of reference. This is the day that the Lord forgave me of my sins. And now I can rejoice with Him forever. And Peter there, Peter said, First Peter three twenty one. He says, "All this happens by the resurrection of Jesus Christ." I think it's appropriate to talk about baptism on the Lord's day, because we're, we're stopping today. In just a moment together, we're going to be gathering around the communion table. And that's what the communion's all about. It's, about. it's about the death of Jesus, his suffering in our behalf. But it's also done on the Lord's day because it's about his resurrection from the dead. None of this happens without the Lord's resurrection. Aren't we grateful? Aren't we thankful? So here in just a second, just as I am, if there's someone who needs to, to think seriously about your soul today, 
we, we implore you to do so. If there's anything that this good church family can help you with, any spiritual need, please make that known right now as we stand together, as we sing. Brother Dave.